uh, strangers in dispensaries. They're like, oh, I want to grow. I'm like, follow me. I'll give you, I've got plenty of seeds that I would give, clones to give away. Uh, and any question, you can just DM me and ask and I'll, I'll give you the rundown. You know, I'll give you the list of supplies based on your budget. You know, I, I love, I like getting people into growing because like it was, it was so much fun for me. And they say growing weed is the gateway drug to gardening. Hello and welcome to Here in L.A., Highland Park Edition. Today, we talk with Willie Christie. Willie is a brand ambassador, a musician, and a man who grows some incredible buds. In our 75th-ish episodes, we've had the pleasure of hosting a couple of journalists who specialize in weed and shrooms. We've had a cannabis podcaster. And now we've got a guy who used to drive a truck full of cash and edibles from the border to the central coast, who now creates some delicious strains. Don't ask me how I know. Willie is also the main man in the band Cocooning, which if you play your cards right, you might hear throughout this podcast. So here he is, Willie Christie. Hey everybody, I am in Highland Park with Willie Christie. How's it going? Willie, thank you for letting me into your beautiful home. Of course. We have two cats here. Who are, what are your cats' names? We got Champa and we got Block. Come here, Champa. Champa's a Siamese, Block's black, and they're brothers. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, Willie, we're here for a couple reasons. First of all, you live in Highland Park, which is awesome. Uh, how long have you lived here? I moved in here October of 2020, so it's been just just about two years now. Uh, what brought you to Highland Park? Uh, I wanted to move to the east side. I was, I'd done West Hollywood, I'd done Mid-City and Echo Park, and uh, the person I was dating at the time knew somebody that lived here, and so we just checked out the spot, and it was... It was a good price, and you know I got the little backyard, and which is important to me because I grow weed and I, I garden and stuff. So mm -hmm. I was just like, I'm I'm into this, and yeah, fell in love with the neighborhood really quickly. When when you know that you're gonna grow weed in the backyard of a place you're renting, mm -hmm. do you have to ask the landlord if it's cool? Maybe. <laughs> did you ask? No, <laughs> no. I did has not. the landlord seen your setup? No, no, he hasn't. I, and I mean, to be fair, the from the backyard, it's the legal amount. You know, you're allowed to have like six flowering plants, something like that. So oh. even if he were to see it, uh, it's I, I'm pretty sure it's all it's all gravy legally because mm -hmm. it's you know it's a contained yard. It's got four walls, which I think is really the main thing. It's and just out of safety, you know, this is a back house. So like the front, you can't see it from the street. So I, that would be the other concern is besides being legal, I just don't want people walking into my yard and messing with or taking my plants. So it's a pretty secluded spot. And yeah, it's, I, I'm a pretty good tenant, you know, like for part of that is because I don't want him coming out here and just, oh, what's, what's all this about? You know, I think if anybody were to come you know, knock down the door or something, they'd see like, okay, this is clearly not a, uh, not a money-making operation. You know, this is clearly just some weird dude's hobby. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I've been, I've gone to 
tons of houses. Everybody's got a hobby. Mm-hmm. And what you're, I mean, okay, so we're in your living room right now, and I see a drum set. I see a couple guitars. Um, is that a keyboard over there? What do they call that? Yeah, it's a, a MIDI keyboard. A MIDI keyboard mm-hmm. that connects probably to your computer, and uh, and you produce music. That's another reason that, that we're going to talk today. Yeah, yeah. Is um, you've got a, a new album that came out. What's your album called? It's eponymous, uh, Cocoony by Cocoony. Okay. We'll we'll get to the music in a second. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's continue with the weed for a second. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm from Kansas. Uh, born in Overland Park, basically. Uh, I honestly forget. Kansas City, Kansas, and then we. I grew up in Overland Park, basically. When did you come to LA? July of 2016, so six oh, years ago. Okay, what brought you out here? Uh, I mean, Kansas is still one of three states where marijuana is a hundred percent illegal, really? not decriminalized, not anything. So that was a big reason. Um, because I was growing in Kansas, you know, I'd found I I loved weed and I hated waiting in parking lots for dealers and there were legitimate droughts and it cost a lot of money. So I figured I might as well start growing it myself. And, and then after doing that for a couple of years, just the stress of anytime somebody knocked on the door unannounced, I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's the end. You know, I'm going to jail for five years at least. You say uh, weed is expensive out there. How much is an eighth in Kansas? 60. 60 for 60 the eighth of, of mids, you know, like really? you're not getting, you're not getting very good weed. And so the price is that high in part because it truly is illegal. It's dangerous for people to deal, if you want to call it dealing. Exactly. Um, and so they pass on that to the customer. Exactly. Yeah. There's, you know, realist, I mean, the, and the thing is too, is there's nowhere really to get it. You know, you're either getting it from a grower in Kansas that's also risking their livelihood by doing it. So yeah, the, the price and then, you know, the, the guy you get it from got it from somebody else and they're marking it up and you know, it's, it, it just 60 bucks an eighth really, especially if you're smoking a lot, just is not, that is not sustainable, especially mm-hmm. in Kansas where minimum wage is pretty sure it's still seven twenty five. Yeah. So you've got to work a whole day for a, a little bag of weed. Exactly. That you could also smoke in that same day. <laughs> if, you know, if you have a couple friends like that, it goes by fast. Right. Okay. So you moved to LA in uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you think? Uh, this is funny. The f- I drove out here, spent some time in Denver. You know, weed was legal there. I had some <laughs> friends there. And I, I'll never forget pulling in. Uh, off of the 10 heading towards West Hollywood where my best friend stayed. Um, and I saw that there's like a shell on the corner of, I don't, I don't, it's like Beverly or something in West Hollywood. It's like the only gas station in miles. And it was four ninety nine for gas for years. You know, when it was probably, you know, two, $3 everywhere else <laughs> in the city. But that was the first gas station I saw. And I was just like, I'm not going to make this. I can't survive. You know, flash forward six years later, gas is more expensive than that. But six years ago, I was like, this is, I did not foresee this. Like, what the, what is this? And uh, 
but then you know fell in love got in the weed industry got to smoke real california weed uh met met got my first band in three days it was a you know i met a girl on craigslist we started a band together and a relationship which i don't recommend (laughs) uh but it was all going really well i and that's when i got my first weed you know proper taxed weed job you know oh really yeah yeah you worked at a dispensary i worked for a a company called venice cookie company and they did uh cannabis quencher 420 bar a lot of, I mean, I think Cannabis Quencher still exists and is in multiple states now, I believe, but the rest of that company doesn't exist anymore. But I was B2B delivery driver, so I didn't really talk with people. I just carried, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of product and cash back and forth from dispensaries back to the headquarters. Wow. Yeah. Were you ever nervous that they weren't going to pay you? I didn't have to worry about that. If if they didn't have the money, I'd just call my manager and be like, they don't have the money. Mm. Next next stop. Um, but the real worry was like, you know, there are some spots in Anaheim where it's like seven armed guards, you know, and some places it's pretty obvious when you pull up with a truck that and you're unloading a bunch of product that there's a lot of money in there. And so like, but I didn't know. I didn't really consider because again, coming from Kansas, you don't, deal with like real like you know mentally ill people or real like desperately poor people that are willing to do crazy things for money and so like I was kind of naively doing this for a while until there were a couple days where it's like you know security guards would like escort me into the building and stuff and that's when I kind of started putting it together I'm like oh yeah like this is this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. So you would drive home with tens of thousands of dollars of cash. I drove to the headquarters. They they would not let me go. You know, I, I couldn't take that home. It was a company car. I'd go to the mm-hmm. headquarters and then drive the van around from San Luis Obispo and higher d- down to basically Mexico. You know, like that the last border town that had some dispensaries too that we were in. So I was. All the way out to Inland Empire, Palm Springs. You know, I was, and that was fun too because I got to see Southern California. I got to see that it was like I think four or five months of driving all up and down the five and all around the city. And yeah, I I just coming from Kansas again. There's no mountains there. You know, it's all <laughs> flat. So every day was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, just seeing San Luis Obispo in the spring, mm-hmm. green hills, just mountainous hills. Really, I mean, it's a beautiful state. I still, you know, if you can look out my window and see the mountains right there with the clouds, like, mm-hmm. it's still, it hasn't gotten old after six years. While you're driving, though, there's drugs <laughs> and cash. <laughs> At, uh, what was what was the largest amount of cash that you had in your truck at one point? Was it $100,000? I don't think so. I don't... I want to say like 60, 70 maybe. Cause yeah, the, these places are putting in orders for eight to, you know, eight to 10,000 seem to be about the average. Cause they would stock up. Um, cause then they're making money on that money. And I would have six, seven, eight stops a day. So it would, it would add up. Did you have a, a safe? Did you have a lockbox? No. Where'd you put all this cash? <laughs> it was just in a, in a, uh, one of those money zip things, you know, just a little zip. Sometimes I'd get paid in 
ones and fives oh and I have God. to verify it, you know, like just counting it out. Sometimes it would take 10 minutes just to count the money that they had, you know, paid me in. Um, but yeah, it was just in a, like a little clipboard, you know, the hmm. top comes off clipboard with like a little, uh, nothing Whatever fancy those, yeah those leather money envelopes you know yeah. that you see at like garage sales and stuff <laughs> it was yeah no not much security on there and so when you would get back to the warehouse you'd hand over the cash they would count it to make sure you didn't steal any mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i mean look at looking at you you seem like a wholesome normal <laughs> dude yeah. it, it looks like almost everything you're wearing is thrifted yeah um what, what your, your your corduroy hat says? Don't trip. Yeah, I just found out this is a Mac Miller brand or oh, is it? some that he sported. I don't. I didn't really you, listen. You got to this black sh- black socks on with weed on them. Mm-hmm. You you look like just a normal person. <laughs> I wouldn't think that. Well, I'll put it this way: you look like a normal hipster. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't think that you've got sixty grand in a truck. Exactly. Yeah, and that worked to my advantage too. Like, I was the only white dude doing that job also Mm. um everybody else was latino hispanic uh i I got trained by this one guy who was involved with you know he'd go down to tijuana and party he played in a mariachi band he'd party till 4 30 in the morning and have to be back in culver city by 7 a.m and uh, you know he had his uh, ulterior vices to stay awake for those drives, which, you know, I understood that because when you're on the road, no matter what you have in it, just being on the road eight hours a day, it's different. You can't go to work sleepy. You cannot afford to be sleepy, you know, late nights, you know, like I'd done my whole life, just stay up. Okay. I'll just be tired today. Does not, you cannot do that when you're driving. Cause that's yeah. your life. That's your yeah. life. Somebody else's life. But and he offered me, he offered me meth. Like one of the, while he's training me, he's like, you want to try some of this? And I'm just like, this is not the time. This is not <laughs> where I want to do meth for the first time. I did not move out to California, <laughs> join a weed industry to start doing meth. Like there's plenty of that in Kansas. Believe me. Mm. Uh, so so what'd you do to stay awake? Uh, I learned that if, that when you're tired, it's too late to drink coffee. But oh. like the caffeine will actually block your sleepy chemicals in your brain, uh, mm-hmm. but it doesn't refresh them. So you just have to stay ahead of it. You just have to stay ahead of it. And I learned about this crazy thing called a coffee nap. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. So it takes about 15, 20 minutes for something you drink to enter your bloodstream. And so what you do is if you are exhausted, if you are actually tired, falling asleep, you chug a coffee or a you know espresso, frappuccino, whatever, Chug it and take a 15-minute nap. So that 15-minute nap gets rid of all the sleepy chemicals blocking your receptors, and the caffeine is there, ready. As soon as you wake up, the caffeine's hitting, and you're refreshed and awake and alert. So it was like weird like military tactics almost, you know? Okay, let's talk about your weed. Mm-hmm. 
you don't sell this weed. You're really just uh, experimenting. You're you're being I, a scientist back here. I gift to friends. You know, mm-hmm. like it. I work in the industry, so I have a lot of friends that smoke, and sometimes uh, what I'm offering, the weed that I have, is like higher quality and cheaper. You know, and at the very least, you're not paying thirty percent tax, and all the money is going to me. You know. And it's just, I always say like, support your local artists. Like, thank you for supporting your local artists. Cause that's, that's the reality of it is it is an art to me. And I'm finding that the better I get, as I figure it out, people do respond to it. Like mm-hmm. they're my girlfriend, for example, will not smoke dispensary weed. She can't, the, it makes her feel anxious and uncomfortable, but her and now all of her friends are like, I only get weed from Willie. Like, I thought that that the one of the things about legalized weed in California was it gets tagged from the beginning and the government and the growers are tra- tracking it yep. all the way to the dispensary and because of that it's it's supposed to be better but you're saying your backyard weed is better. Yeah. How I, is it better? I mean, granted, there are brands that do it better. There are brands with integrity where profit is not the most important thing, where they actually do care. Uh, I'll shout out 710 Labs right now. Their, their, their slogan, their motto is quality over everything, you know? And so, like, I wouldn't say that I'm growing better weed than, you know, a handful of brands. But the majority, I would argue, 90 to maybe 95% of the weed in dispensaries doesn't hold a candle. And that's just because they're growing for profit, you know, mass produced weed grown hydroponically. So it's just, you know, the terpenes get diluted. It's only focused on THC content, which, uh, as a lot of us know, like is not the most important thing. You know, it's, you don't buy Everclear at a liquor store. You don't (laughs) buy alcohol based on alcohol percentage, unless you're just trying to get drunk, you Mm -hmm. know, but a lot of people, if you want to get high, you can just buy a vape pen, you know, but people want flour with the highest THC percentage. I don't know. So the brands cater to that and it's just created this mess of like dry, flavorless cannabis. And granted, it does have a lot of THC, but THC on its own uh, creates dysphoria. You know, mm. you think that THC is like a euphoric thing, but it's really the terpenes that kind of modulate that high into something that's euphoric or feel good or energetic or relaxing because THC on its own is actually kind of unpleasant. Tell me about it. Uh, (laughs) I, uh, I was going through a period where I couldn't smoke because it made me cough. And a friend of mine gave me a hundred percent THC tincture. And, uh, she said, only take one drop. Mm -hmm. I took the one drop and didn't do a lot. So the next day I took two drops and I collapsed. Wow. Yes. THC by itself isn't the thing. Just like we don't drink rubbing alcohol. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, let me ask you. Oh, so your Instagram is really interesting. What's your, your handle on Instagram? I have my personal is my name, Willie Christie. Uh, but then I have a weed one, Willhouse69. That's because <laughs> Willhouse420 was taken. and on this you did something that i hadn't seen before which was i want to say you rinsed or cleaned your buds yeah what do you call it rinsing 
Uh, yeah, rinse, wash. You washed them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And what what was interesting to me about that was I didn't think you needed to, um, but when you did it, you showed how much gunk is on these buds. Yeah. And. We don't want that gunk inside of us? Not necessarily. I, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I have cats too, and the tent used to be in the living room. So it was dust, you know, the same dust that's gathering on the table and counters. That's going in the weed plants too, and it, those are sticky plants too. So like, you know, there was a dog living here, a big hairy golden retriever. <laughs> so like, um, and then there's, you know, there's bugs, like bug carcasses, bug poop. Mm. Um, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, it started initially because I got powdery mildew on a plant uh, a couple years ago. And I was just looking at ways to remedy that. Cause I was like, it's just on some of the outer leaves. How do I get rid of it? And, uh, this guy, Jorge Cervantes, who's like, I don't think that's his real name. He used to, because <laughs> back in the day you couldn't put yourself out there as a weed authority. You just get, you know, asking to get raided. Mm. Um, but it's this white, I'm pretty sure he's a white guy, but he called himself Jorge <laughs> Cervantes. And uh, he he wrote the Marijuana Grow Bible. I, I might be messing up the title of that, but it's like horticulture, marijuana horticulture, I think the grower's guide to cannabis or something like that. So I already kind of knew him as like an authority. That was how I started. That's how I learned to build my first grow room and start growing weed. And so he has a YouTube video on uh, hydrogen peroxide diluted in water because the hydrogen peroxide will neutralize the powdery mildew spores and also a lot of other stuff too. It just kind of, you know, sterilizes slightly. Um, and so he's showing this video of dipping a freshly harvested weed plant into water, uh, the hydrogen peroxide diluted water, and then two more, you know, rinse stations. And yeah, it, it seems very counterintuitive because the last thing you want to do is get this, plant wet you know isn't it gonna get moldy or isn't it gonna like get wilty you know like it, but apparently if you do it right when you harvest it before it starts drying you it, it can actually not only does it create a smoother smoke because you're getting rid of any dust allergens bugs insects hair all that stuff but it also i find it helps slow the dry a little bit um which is key to getting a smooth smoke too is the slow and low low temps and as slow as possible so i felt that i I found that that also helped it actually made my weed better you know there i would argue all no drawbacks i i have yet to have mold pop up in my jars because it's always usually too dry um and so i still have yet and i've been pushing it you know putting pretty fresh weed into jars you know not pretty fresh but like 10 day dry whatever um still haven't had mold yet so i i will i will vouch for rinsing your weed and it is a bizarre technique i i it is counterintuitive but but it seems like it works whatever works works right it does it does work Okay, let's. Uh, you're obviously way advanced, which I appreciate, <laughs> and we could talk about this all day. But but I can't really drive my listeners to buy your stuff because <laughs> you don't really sell it, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe you can do this then. I'm sure that there's a lot of people who would love to grow their own weed. Yes. But they maybe they've tried and failed once before. 
or they're just nervous or they think it's really complicated. Mm -hmm. I watched some videos of growers in Oregon who where you can only have, I think, five or six plants and they're like, well, then we're, we're going to make the biggest plants of all. Yeah, yeah. And they had incredible soil. Um, I think they went to an actual farm and like talked to the farmer and got real cow poop that was mm -hmm, fresh. Mm -hmm. They put these chemicals in it that oxidized it or whatever it was. Like it was a whole science experiment. I do not have time for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of people do. And And even though we can be nerdy about our little hobbies... My hobby is getting high and watching a movie. Mm -hmm. It's not doing all the things. <laughs> yep, yep. So for those of us who do have a little, I mean, your little backyard is little. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the size of like a bedroom back there. Exactly. It's, it's not that huge. And yet you're growing fruits. You've got <laughs> a number of different plants out there. What, what's some of your advice for people who want to grow in their backyard? Keep it simple. Don't be afraid to kill it. Um... I think even still to this day, overwatering tends to be the biggest uh, killer of plants because people have the best intentions. They're like, I'm not going to neglect it. I'm going to water it every day. And you just don't have to. Um, <laughs> it, weed is just like a tomato plant. And for those of you that don't grow tomato plants either, um, stay tuned. But for now, if you can grow a tomato plant, you can absolutely grow a weed plant. I would argue you know these plants are very resilient it is technically a weed it grows wildly in a lot of places so it does not require that much they can go very droopy from being dry and you water them and they'll perk right back up you know there it is a lot simpler than you think and i always i give clones out to my friends and say like just kill it don't worry about it you know hmm. like don't be afraid to kill it just have fun with it uh okay so i don't water it every day mm -hmm. every third day it's the plant doesn't know what day it is. It all the plant knows is what's going on in its pot. You just have to learn uh maybe let the soil dry out a little bit and you'll learn quickly like the soil can get dry enough and the plant still looks healthy. Um you can maybe let it go another day. It's once the leaves start drooping and you know it's dry because they will also droop when it's overwatered. That's the dangerous oh. thing. So if your soil is dry and your plant is drooping, most likely it could use water. Okay. Um, that's obviously if you have, uh, I recommend cloth pots because those are way harder to overwater. I have no idea what a cloth pot is. It's just a, it's a fabric container that you put the soil in. I can get this at Home Depot or? I believe so. Okay. Amazon has them. Grow stores will have them. They're so, you know one to three dollars per oh. pot it's very affordable okay. um what, what kind of soil should i be using i always i've done i did fox farm ocean forest for 10 years it's um every weed forum would always recommend that i have done hold on fox yeah, yeah. farm ocean forest mm -hmm. sounds very hippie yeah it is it how is. much for a bag of what is that 10 pounds i couldn't tell you how many pounds like, but yeah like the potato large sack. exactly the potato sack uh I think it's like three and a half cubic feet or something like that. Uh -huh. um, anywhere from there's a grow supply store out here that sells them for 11. When you say out here, you mean in Highland Park? In uh, California. There's a chain uh, Green Coast Hydroponics. There's it's there's a couple around L.A. 11 bucks 11 plus bucks. tax. 
Are are since we're talking about Highland Park, mm-hmm. are there weed supply stores here? There is. There's one right on Eagle Rock called Sunland, uh, which is not. We're not in Sunland, <laughs> but it's Sunland Hydroponics or Hydro or Grow Supply, something like that. But Sunland on Eagle Rock, their Fox Farm is like 15, 16 bucks. So you're okay. anywhere from fifteen to twenty bucks. Expect to spend. So a couple bucks for the cloth pot, mm-hmm. fifteen bucks for the dirt. I come to you to get a clone, but if I if I if I don't know you, yeah, yeah. I can go to dispensaries now and get clones. How much do they run there? Do you know? About twenty bucks a clone. Twenty bucks. And so what am I in? About fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. Should I use um anything to keep the bugs away? That's a good question. I like to use um peppermint oil and Dr. Bronner's soap in water. And you can just Get a little if you have one or two plants, a hand you know, a hand pump sprayer, like a Windex bottle type of thing. Just it's like a you know, tablespoon of dish soap and uh, you know, a milliliter or two of peppermint oil, and that'll keep away spider mites, thrips, a lot of the main uh, main ones. Some people, and what I'm probably going to do this next year is. You can put a little net. It's like a greenhouse, but it's just a butterfly net or something. That'll keep a lot of the bugs from getting in there in the first place. Mm. Um, but yeah, bugs, It's that's just a learning process, you mm-hmm. know. But the best way to do it is to stay ahead of it. If you're just checking your leaves for any weird bites or anything and spraying that peppermint oil and soap mixture every three, four days at night or in the morning, if you do it in the middle of the day, the the droplets from the spray will actually it creates a magnifying glass effect and from the for the sun and it oh. just burns it will oh. burn the leaves i feel like we have fewer i'm from illinois mm-hmm. i feel like we have a lot fewer bugs in california than in the midwest is that true it's true for now but it, california <laughs> now. yeah it's been getting it's been getting worse uh, i don't know what it is um i i feel like there's I managed to find a lot of bugs, uh, you know, because I've got a little green little zone out here that stays pretty moist. So the bugs probably are coming from miles being like, yo, I heard this guy. Like, Check this out. It's free, free food everywhere. <laughs> um, your uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. do you go through these steps about how to tend to your... Not, not really. Not necessarily. Yeah. Like some days I'll do educational stuff, but I... I there are so many accounts that have like basic growing info. Okay. But what one thing I do when I'm out working, I, I do brand ambassador work. So I'm still in dispensaries talking to people every day. Uh, and I offer my services for free for now, you know, for the next, for the foreseeable future, I still have time. Follow Wheelhouse69 and reach out. Like uh, strangers in dispensaries, they're like, oh, I want to grow. I'm like, follow me. I'll give you, I've got plenty of seeds that I would give, clones to give away, uh, and any question, you can just DM me and ask, and I'll, I'll give you the rundown, you know, I'll give you the list of supplies based on your budget, you know, mm. I, I love, I like getting people into growing, because like, it was, it was so much fun for me, and they say growing weed is the gateway drug to gardening, you know, <laughs> like once you start growing that plant, you're like, shoot, what other plants can I grow? it's it's a pretty good it's it it changed my life so i feel like it's sort of my duty to pass it on and yeah it's just and it's also kind of selfish because like i want grow buddies i want i want people that are growing with me so we can like trade clones and you know 
cross strains together and you know i'm going out of town can you come over and water my plants you know so it's it's good to have a little community of growers too and there must be something special about smoking your own weed there there is uh, i don't know i don't know what it is you know on a physical scientific level i know that maybe it's just the small amount of plants is i'm able to look and take care and diagnose and pamper these plants because it's you know small scale small batch artisanal grow style um but i can't help but think that there is something in the energy that i put into these plants too like i really i want them to be good i care for them some of them are my own strains that i've created and there's a lot of love that goes into that and i feel like that and it's all organic because like why would i i'm gonna smoke this why why would i do anything that i wouldn't want to put into my body Say that you've made some of your own strains. Mm-hmm. Have you made any cool names for these strains? Yeah. Oh. Um, one, the, I'll start with the first one. I, I got a bag seed of this strain called, uh, it was a bag seed off of a strain called Rainbow Driver. And so being a bag seed, it's a mystery dad, you know, mystery male plant. So I can pretty much name it whatever I want. Uh, so I called it Rainbow Road. Uh, not legal because I'm, Sure, there's some copyright with Nintendo in there. Um, Rainbow Road? Uh-huh. What, what Nintendo game is this? Uh, Mario Kart. It's the very, oh. the last, the last big chorus on Mario Kart 64. It's like, <laughs> and it's perfect for weed too, because it's just this psychedelic, you're, you're literally driving on a rainbow, and stars are the guardrails, and you're literally driving around in space on a psychedelic rainbow. Yeah, it's, it's a great... So coming from a string called Rainbow Driver, I was like, why didn't they just call it Rainbow Road? There you go. Um, because they're probably old like I am and they have no idea. That's true. That's true. Uh, and so I crossed that, or I didn't do it on purpose. I had a male GDP, Granddaddy Purple, in the tent, got a little too wild. And I next thing I know, I had a bunch of seeds. Uh, and I call that Purple Rainbow, kind of an homage to Prince, like Purple Rain, oh. Purple Rainbow. Uh, and then... So I crossed my purple rainbow with another seed that I got from a friend that's from a breeder, apparently. I always forget the name of the breeder, but it's a Mac and Slurricane hybrid. And this plant came out just smelling like grape jelly. I've got it. (laughs) I got it in the closet in there. I can have you smell it. But it smells like buttery grape cobbler pie. And... uh, my best friend, Charlie, who I, uh, we're both from Kansas, but he's been out here for eight years. He's actually a huge Cubs fan too. His right dad's on. from Chicago. Um, and I stayed with him in West Hollywood the first year that I lived here. He, he's black. He taught me how to play the blues and, uh, he loves grape weed. And so I named this strain Chuck's Berry. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And he's he's got a chronic pain disorder. Um oh. so he like he's had he's prescribed opiates, um, but he doesn't like taking them because they're very addictive. He's been you know, he's he's had his up and down with opiates throughout his life, but he still has to take them. So this this strain that I made for him, weed has always been his like safe. He if he he's like if I could just find the right strain to replace this, I would. And so I'm kind of working on that. Like he's done so much for me over the years that it's the least I can do to kind of, and this strain cultivar is the proper term. I keep strain is, you know, that's the common language, but this, this cultivar really does give a full body relaxation, a full body high. And that was just kind of the bonus. I just did it cause it smelled grapey but turns out maybe it's that grape smell that causes the full body high huh. and that's why he likes grape weed is because it actually gives him the medical relief that he needs and so i i that's that's the newest strain that i've come up with that i'm really uh really proud of the name and you know how it how it turned out i love it let me turn on my phone because i want to talk to you about music okay awesome oh there's another keyboard over there you have a real keyboard yeah yeah Okay, so do you play all these instruments? Uh-huh. You play the drums. Uh, I, I see an acoustic, an electric. Mm-hmm. You got a keyboard. Well, first let me let me ask you about your new record. Mm-hmm. Ku- Kukuni. Kukuni. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a made-up name, but I Googled it. And it means a Cub fan that podcasts. <laughs> no. What does it mean? Uh, it is a made-up word. I, oh, uh, it is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I misheard um, somebody on the radio. I was listening to NPR, and they said, uh, <laughs> he's like, it's similar to the concept of cocooning. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I love, like, the concept of, you know, there's like this Japanese concept of forest bathing that... If you're stressed, you go out into the forest and breathe in the pine air, which to bring it back to weed, those the pinenes that are in cannabis and in pine trees entering your bloodstream through your lungs just by breathing it actually refreshes and relaxes and makes you more alert. And so like I'm ready to hear this like cool con- new concept, you know, and he just goes on and I'm like, oh, he said cocooning like, <laughs> you know, pretty self-evident like just kind of pandemic cocooning, you know, you just Mm -hmm. stay in your little cocoon and kind of have your own little world. And that's exactly what I was doing for this project already. Right. I heard you stayed in this house. Uh, It was the spot. It was a spot in mid city. Okay. So you stayed in mid city for six months straight. Yeah. Essentially I worked. um, I would go to work, but 90% 90% of my free time was I set a deadline, you know, six months out. I'm like, I broke it down into two weeks, you know, every two weeks I need to have a song kind of thing. Oh. And so I would just, I just stayed and I think I wrote 10 or no, I think I wrote 13 songs and whittled it down to 10 by the time the album was done. But yeah, I wrote that. I was just me in the this tiny bedroom is about the size of this uh section where i'm sitting right now just like a you know 10 by 8 bedroom or something i could be wrong but did you have your girlfriend tiny. at the time uh i 
you don't remember I was if there single. was a woman in this? I was single. All right. Fine. I was single, which helps. It does help. <laughs> Sorry to say, but it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Your music. I drive Uber. I start around four o'clock in the morning if I'm a good boy. Sometimes six o'clock if I sleep in. And from six to around nine, I don't like to play rock and roll for my passengers. Mm-hmm, I like mm-hmm. to go to the chill station on Sirius FM, Sirius, Sirius XM. <laughs> and um, I'm a rock and roll person. Mm-hmm. Uh, ACDC was my first concert, and um, everything else that's less than that is less than that. Which to me. singer? Uh, this was uh, the, the uh, uh, Back in Black tour. So it was, it was Brian. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, so when I heard your the first couple cuts off of Kakuni, I was like, oh, great. And and I just put it on the background and I did my work. I was like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let it be here, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see if anything pops out. Mm-hmm. My man, something popped out. <laughs> you have a song called Forever. Yeah, and it's just kind of a groove. A real slow groove, a bit of a stony groove, mm-hmm. if you will, <laughs> with like there's some reverb going on in there. What, yeah. What's the technical term? It's even on the drums. It's almost like a philander sound. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a big plate reverb, if I'm not mistaken. It's called a plate reverb. I believe so. Okay. Um, I When I initially did it, because I wrote the demos, I did, you know, fleshed out probably 80, 90% of this album uh, I was going to release it myself, and I realized that the quality of the songs just weren't up to par with my songwriting for the first time in 10 years. So I uh, found a producer. I worked with him for my last band, and we were kind of working on a couple of the tracks already um, just because he liked what I was doing, and he's he was offering me free studio time, which is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was already kind of working with this guy, and then I was like, you know what? I need to get this thing done professionally so a lot of the like super technical stuff uh about the finished record i couldn't i can't be sure but i can tell you what i did for the demo Mm -hmm. um and it was a lot of just plate reverb i just kind of envisioned this song as existing in like you i mean you're a rock guy you know rush the 20 2112 the song where the protagonist discovers the guitar behind the waterfall. Yes. That sort of timeless, almost like Grecian, like kind of like open. You don't know if it's a cave or if it's a, (laughs) you know, a massive open like room, but like there's this, that, that I love that tone. I love that emotion. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of, I just feel like that that's a spot that I return to a lot uh, internally. Like hmm. when I'm on psychedelics or, you know, when I'm like just really introspective or just trying to visualize a space to uh, record or where what is the ideal spot to record this. And it's almost always that like big open cave with a waterfall and maybe like the sun's coming through mm-hmm. the waterfall into the room type mm-hmm. of thing. And so I was trying to just emulate that environment and so yeah just a lot of a lot of big open reverb Mm -hmm. happening uh what's what's the line that i'm falling in love with on this forever Um, is what because uh forever doesn't feel like forever when you're in it 
it feels like a dream. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. I wrote that song in Kansas. Actually, I was, huh. uh, that's the oldest song on the record. Uh, How about that? yeah, I wrote that song in, I think 20, 2015, uh, maybe 20, maybe early 2016. And I just never had the lyrics for it. I loved the melody and the lilting, you know, kind of bluesy sort of reminded me of like, uh, Japanese video games take on Western music, you mm. know, uh, cause I grew up playing like Zelda and all those video games. So like, uh, it just kind of had this like cartoony Western feel to it, but not, uh, cartoony in a bad way, but in more like a, a fantasy Western. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just never had the lyrics. I never had the lyrics, right. I wasn't happy with, uh, the mumble take lyrics and the, it was, it used to be like, Cause you'll never fall asleep with your lover, you know, just like, well, just came out on first take and I just kind of went with it. And then the album I was writing and I was getting near the end and I was like, let's see if there's any older ideas that I can revisit, pulled that one out and the lyrics just, it just clicked. And I knew, I knew that I had something that I was really proud of and that actually had like really a transcendental meaning to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just, I was able to go from there and I, I feel really good about that. And Tony, the producer, he, uh, what's his last name? Buchan. Tony Buchan. Uh-huh. Shout Tony, out Tony. Big shout out Tony. For giving you a lot of free space to yeah. create this. It was really flattering too. Cause like he would do w- wonders, you know, for my tracks. And then some of the tracks he's like, he he hated soft sense, like the software sense where it's just a plug-in that's modeled after a Prophet or a Juno. Uh, but almost every time I would, he'd ask like, is this another soft synth? And he's just like, damn it, man. Like these sound really good. He's like, I, so some of the tracks he kept, he would keep 80% of my synth work in there, which was like really flattering. Cause I expect to go into the studio and redo almost anything just with his better gear, better recording equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really flattering to like know that a lot of this work that I'd put in was staying. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that track specifically uh, the guitar. I don't remember if we re-recorded the guitar. I just recorded it sitting at my desk, going into the interface, into the built-in microphones on my zoom R16 shitty multi-track uh <laughs> interface and uh it, it was stuff like that he'd be like this is good we got to keep this and i was like this is for sure the one thing i was expecting to re-record right <laughs> let's talk about zorillo yeah is yeah. that how you say it zorillo zorillo uh-huh. what does it mean it is spanish for skunk <laughs> so i think yeah you put that together <laughs> do we want our weed to smell like skunk yes yeah, yeah, we're, there's actually a study that came out in 2019 that all this talk about terpenes may not be, like, there's no skunk terpene. There's no terpene in cannabis. There's no uh, specifically terpene. There is a chemical in cannabis that gives it the skunk smell, but it is not terpenes. Uh, it's a class of sulfur thiols that are uh, analogous to garlic sulfur compounds, which are good for the heart and good for, you know, the body. Um, but they're unique to cannabis. They actually discovered like four or five, uh, new compounds that are unique to cannabis. 
And that is what imparts the skunky, gassy, essentially all the stuff that when you smell weed, you're like, that's I want the dank, gassy, skunky <laughs> stuff. It's actually uh, the sulfur thiols. And an interesting side note, uh, if you put fully cannabis-derived terpenes in front of a drug dog, it will not respond. It, so it's, it's actually responding to the sulfur thiols. That's the skunky smell is what the dogs huh. are trained on. I would love to do this experiment one day. Zerillo, you recorded recently live mm-hmm. at where? At the Goldfish. Goldfish in Highland Park, formerly known as the Hi-Hat. Is, is that on York? It is. Okay. Um, so I, I saw your live video of that, and no disrespect, but when I heard it on the album, it was totally different for me in that I could hear like... I just could hear it better, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and maybe maybe the YouTube video is just a guy in his iPhone recording you. That's and, exactly what it is, and that's <laughs> and, and that's going to lose a lot of the nuances. The recorded version was the second song that I really liked, and this is not my world. Mm-hmm. This is not the kind of music that I'm going to go out to Walmart and play in my pickup truck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to play it if I'm on ecstasy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play it if somehow I've wooed a uh, uh, an EDM girl back to the place. And we're kind of mellowing out a little bit. Yeah. Is that the intent of your music? Yeah, there's actually, there was a Facebook group back in the day. And I think there was a, a last.fm group back in the day that was, and it it's probably borrowed from something else. Maybe some like, Hunter S. Thompson quote or uh, Kurt Vonnegut, I don't know, but it's it's like music made by people taking drugs to take drugs to something like that, you know. <laughs> and I will say, like, I a lot of weed went into the recording of this album. I was, you know, I'd I'd write something sober, like if I was singing, I'd try to stay sober to stay tight. Uh, but for the, a lot of the creative process, thinking, lyric writing, uh, re-listening with fresh ears or a new perspective uh you know it's it's like you can get a second opinion real quick if you just smoke a bowl get really high and listen to it again uh it's you know it can be more efficient that way instead of having to wait another day with fresh ears you can at least get an idea because there's the trope of the other way where you just smoke a bunch of weed write a song and then you listen to it sober the next day and you're just like oh what the what was i doing there uh so i i tried to keep a balance of like of real, you know, sober listening versus high listening, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, there was, I was very stoned for the creation and editing process for a lot of that album. Tony, the producer, Mm -hmm. is he getting high too? Or is he a a sober gentleman? A little bit. Like he would, he didn't really smoke. Definitely not in the studio because I'm sure it would just be, it, it would just get more chaotic and less organized. You know, he has his workflow uh, and as soon as you get high, it, you just get stuck on a synth. You're just like, whoa, you know, we should just write another song right now. It's like, no, we got to finish this one. That's what weed will, 
weed keeps you playing, you know, but you, some, you got it. There's a lot of work involved too. Where can we hear you play again soon? Uh, we're taking a break right now. Uh, the drummer, our drummer, Mike is, uh, he's, he like had to schedule like just some minor surgery. So he's out for a couple weeks in Which December. Which makes sense. We're, we're heading into the holidays. And, exactly. and a lot of bands it's, don't want to play during the holidays. Exactly. Because the fans are busy. Mm-hmm. They're out of town. Yeah. They're broke because they just spent money on Christmas presents. <laughs> Uh, but we can expect to see you guys in the future. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and the band once again is Kukuni. K U K U. Uh huh. K U K U N I. Okay, let's wrap it up with Highland Park. You've been here for uh, a little while now. Mm-hmm. You have not been cocooning in Highland Park. You've been out and about, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Where are some of your favorite places here? Oh man, I'll start with uh, Via's Tacos. Vias Tacos, it is, uh, is today Tuesday? Yeah. You might want to swing by. If they're there, they're open on Taco Tuesdays. It's, they, um, I don't know where they were at before the pandemic, because we moved here, uh, but my brother, who's really good about finding new spots, it's this house. It started out, he was selling out of his grandpa's house, just a block away. On our way to York, we would pass, walk past his house, and he'd be selling tacos, and my brother just had them one day and came back and was like, dude, you have to try these. And sure enough, it's a blue corn tortilla with cheese uh, caramelized on top. And then there's beautifully, I think it's all hickory smoked meat. You know, they, they've got asada, they've got um, pollo, chicken. And then they also have these phenomenal papas tacos, like potato tacos, mm-hmm. diced finely, like tiny little cube. I, I, diced is an improper term because I think it's supposed to be the size of a die. These are like the smaller than a pea cube huh. of potato. So you get all the uh, caramelization on every single, you know, the surface area is all crispy in these potatoes. And guac's always free. Hibiscus Ooh. pickled onions as a garnish. So this is Via's Tacos on York? It is on York now. Now they have now they do a pop-up on York Taco Tuesdays and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday from like 4 to 11 or York something. near where? Uh, York across the street from the Goldfish actually. 52nd, oh. right around 52nd in York. Okay. Mhm. It is they won uh, Taco LA Taco Madness back to back now. First first person ever, first taco company to ever win it back to back. How about that? Uh, where do you like to hang out? Uh, here, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't drink too often, but there's uh, the Hermosillo is a really, that's like a, that's on 53rd in York, maybe. Really cool. They've got really cool bar. They do some food. They have some natural wine on the menu, a really good beer list, mm-hmm. and a nice little outdoor patio area that's dog friendly. Uh, that's a cool spot. And then there's Johnny's, which is just a nice dive bar. Um, mm-hmm. And some people yeah. might resist coming here mm-hmm. because they think it's over gentrified. It's too expensive to live here. What would you say about that? I, I'd agree. I would definitely <laughs> agree with them. It is expensive to live here. I fortunately knock on wood haven't had <laughs> haven't had the rent go up since I moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think it's because I'm just a good tenant. I don't call for anything. I pay my rent on time. 
and I'm not throwing parties and getting noise complaints. Um, in, in part because you, you want to keep cool yeah. because of what you're up to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't, but the drums have got to be loud, though. Yeah, I got medium sticks, and as you see, there's um, t-shirts covering. You know, mm-hmm. there, I could buy props. You got some pillows, mutes. I imagine, in your yeah, your bass drum. There's a blanket in there. I need to fit a pillow in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I keep I play during the day only. But my neighbors are really cool. The guy in the front, him and I, he's been here for about a year and a half. Him and I are cool. Do you give him weed? Uh, he doesn't smoke. What? Yeah. He, but he doesn't, he doesn't care. And he knows if he ever needs any, he can come to me. <laughs> he uh, does know. Yeah. Yeah. I saw uh, uh, an old Asian lady sweeping. Yeah. Is she cool with she your is, music? She hasn't said anything. She's a sweetheart. She'll okay. give me, she is also an inspir a garden inspiration. I don't know if you saw their backyard. They've got sugarcane, pomelo, uh, persimmon, tangerine, mandarin, are the mandarins the... I saw some big-ass Those are fruit. the pomelos. Pomelos. Uh-huh. Or pomelo. I, I, I don't even know what that is. It's, it looked like a grapefruit almost. It's like a grapefruit-lemon hybrid, but it is its own citrus, apparently. Like, it, it, it's not a hybridized variety. It is just a giant citrus. And it's like... It's dry, kind of. Like, you can actually open it up and separate it into the citrus segments, uh... And you eat it, and it's kind of like a dry grapefruit, but it's less tart. It's way less tart than a grapefruit. Um, it's a really unique uh, citrus. Like, I don't know. It's it's not very flavorful, but uh-huh. it's refreshing, and it's slightly sweet. It's kind of like a sweet grapefruit with a hint of lemon, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're, but they're massive. They look like they, it looks like a basketball. There's like 100 basketballs growing on this tree. <laughs> But they're, I mean, they're green So she's cool with you too. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. So the neighbors are great. Mm-hmm. The neighbors are great. You're in walking distance of great tacos. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever take the gold line? No, I all don't. Right, fine. I don't. With all this fruit that's being grown back here, are there any rodents that invade? That's a good question. I, the, for some reason, poor uh, Jim in the front tends he seems to be get there's like a rat in his basement every oh. other month or something no yeah i he's don't got, well, hold on he's got a basement over there it's it's not a base it's like there's like just a uh crawl space underneath both of our houses i see uh and he just always has like a rat in there for some reason huh i don't know if it's because my cats scare him away or Probably. or if maybe he's just got more enticing fruits and vegetables going on over at his place or it's just luck, but yeah, I haven't had to deal with anything rodent-wise. Like, there's maybe a rat or two that runs around. There's definitely, but there's feral cats and neighborhood mm. cats that come around here too. So, I think they keep them. There's a family of possums uh-huh. that lives back there. Um, the possums don't mess with your weed. No, thank God. Yeah, no, they don't, and the rats don't mess with them either. Uh, I yeah. Uh. Let me ask you about fireworks and cops. Highland Park is known for fireworks, Mm -hmm. but I feel like during the pandemic, everybody in LA had to mellow out because the southern border was closed, and I have a feeling that's where most of the the good fireworks came from. Did you hear a lot of fireworks this 4th of July? Not really. Honestly, that's it. I, I didn't even think about that. Um, cause when I stayed in Echo Park, my God, it wasn't even 4th of July. It would be like, <laughs> it could be September 2nd and you'd hear firework, you know, like it was just nonstop in Echo Park, just 
dudes in alleyways lighting <laughs> off a huge firework and then running. Yeah, but out here, it's, I would say, what you'd expect being right. in a city of, you know, millions of people. Like, yeah. the numbers, the numbers are like, yeah, anyone could be lighting up a firework any minute. You know, there's enough people. It might kick back in next, next summer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about the police helicopters? Do you get a lot of helicopters in Highland Park? There's a decent amount, but not, re- again, the neighborhood is significantly safer than it was a decade ago from Mm -hmm. what I've, I mean, I'm living here. I'm a white dude that's growing weed in his yard. You know, I'm very thin, you know, I'm not a scary looking guy. Um, but the neighborhood seems to be a lot safer. It's, it's a lot of families, you know, there's definitely like the mid thirties, late thirties, forties, like programmer looking yuppie types that have their five-year-old kids but honestly, I feel like, you know, my neighborhood, especially, it's a lot of just Latino families, Asian families, like families. So, it, mm-hmm. and the streets are clean. I always, that's one thing. There's no street sweeping out here because people don't, people aren't throwing trash in the streets, I guess. Like, yeah. So I don't have to worry about parking tickets on the street or anything. ask you about your dreams Willie mm-hmm. because uh, I'm older than you and I'm a little worried about you <laughs> because this music is beautiful but I don't see you becoming a millionaire off of it mm-hmm. your weed is probably very good but you you have kind of my sensibility yeah. which is I don't want to get rich off of it I want to make cool shit and give it to my friends. Exactly. That's like such a Midwestern come from. (laughs) It must be, yeah. (laughs) Just the humble, like, oh, I don't need much. We're we're not here to kill anybody. We're we're just here to just be cool and be the the cool neighbor in the back. Exactly. Is that your dream or do you have some aspiration? For example, if the New York Times decided to buy this podcast for me, mm-hmm. I would accept their money. <laughs> if um, you, you call it uh, 710 Farms. 710 Labs, yeah. Uh, or Tegrity Farms in South Park. <laughs> if they came to you and said, that grape thing that you've got, the, the Charlie Berry, what, what did you yeah, call Chuck's it? Berry. Chuck's Berry. Let's do this. Yeah. Do you have bigger aspirations for your weed that you could do that the rest of your life? Yeah. Uh, these are both, I live my life, you know, my career has always been my plan B, you know, most people, their hobby and their dreams are their plan B. Uh, for me, it's music and weed all, I don't need much. Like you said, I don't need a million dollars. I just need $4,000 a month or, you know, for the time (laughs) being, like it's a very modest amount. Um, and music it's, I find that like, the amount of work that actually goes into making money on music is not the type of work it's not making music, you know? So I'd rather just keep making music until it's just kind of undeniably good. And then I'll, you know, then everything will fall in line, you know, versus going out of my way to, you know, just paying 
promotional advertisements and pushing out this album, blah, blah, blah. Like I, that's not the type of work that I like doing. That's not the type of work I've ever liked doing or done. So I, maybe it's naive, but I have the faith that like, if I just keep writing music, it's going to get better and better. And so maybe then something will happen, but I'm really happy where I'm at. Musically speaking, weed on the other hand, I am pushing a little bit harder to kind of get some money on. I'm working with some business partners on uh, getting my own strains in their brand and eventually starting my own brand, hopefully sometime next year. Hmm. Um, And that's sort of, that's like a money-making thing, but also like after working in the industry for six years, I see a couple holes that could be filled, you know, just integrity being the main you know integrity like literally (laughs) but non-ironically and fully transparently like having a weed brand with integrity coming from somebody that has 13 years of cultivation experience and a genuine passion for the plant uh i just feel like i want to at least try see if there is a market for what i think is important about weed um so that there is stuff in the works for me on the weed end, um, just happening slowly. And again, I've been doing this music and weed thing for 13, 14 years, maybe more now. Um, and so like, I've been doing it for free this whole time. I'm mm-hmm. in no rush. I've got my day job, which is a weed industry thing. And that lends to the experience that the market experience that I will need for my own brand. So I'm making all the mistakes and learning all the things not to do from other companies on their dime, you know, which Mm -hmm. is always a good business strategy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me ask you about, uh, we'll wrap it up with this. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you ingest your weed for the most part? Is, is what you're holding there is that a bong? Yep. Just a plain old normal bong, glass bong. Yeah. Glass bong. Sometimes I'll roll up a joint. Uh, if I, you know, that's usually post harvest, I got a lot and I can just blow through it, but my tolerance is pretty low for somebody that's really, you know, a big part of their life revolves around weed. My tolerance is like, if I'm smoking during the day, uh, and going into the night two two bowls, mm-hmm. maybe three depending, but mm-hmm. most of the time it's, I'll smoke like half a bowl a night, you know, I'll take two to three to four bong rips while I'm playing video games or watching movies or TV. And that's about the extent of it. So yeah, I don't, do you have a a daytime strain and a nighttime strain? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and, but when I grow, it's like anymore, I find that I can smoke indicas during the day just as long as I smoke a little bit, you know, like just Mm. smaller amounts of indica. I ask because that gives me a headache sometimes. Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. that for you too? No, it, it's more just sleepiness for me. It's you more just get like, sleepy. Yeah, like that's that's what I try to avoid. But even good sativas, the energetic stuff that's supposed to keep you focused. Like the company I work for has a strain that's a quote sativa that tests at like thirty seven percent pretty consistently. I can't smoke a bowl of that during the day. I will, <laughs> you know, I get tired i really 37 uh thc yeah mm-hmm. do you want to talk about the company 
Uh, yeah, they're THC Design. They've been really good. It's called THC Design. Mm-hmm. That's who you're the brand ambassador for? Yeah, currently. Where can we uh, get THC Designed? They're everywhere. They're one of the biggest brands. In, in Highland Park, where can we go? Uh, Nila Road, Northeast LA. Nila Road, it's, I think it's on like 59th or 60th in York, something just down the street. Uh, they, they're carried there. Um Pasadena, there's a bunch of shops in Pasadena too, but Highland Park Nila Road is a new, also a new neighborhood dispensary. Uh, a brand ambassador bops around to these different dispensaries and gives samples to the bud tenders and answers questions. Is that how it Basically, goes? Uh, the sales reps tend to give samples because now being legal, the whole giving people free weed because it has to be taxed and traced, it, it's a different, it's a different, uh, method but yeah i I like to give them if i get a bunch of thc design weed from work i can't smoke it all and honestly like i prefer my weed to it so i can give i give out this weed to the and it's my own personal stash which i don't think a lot of people are doing but i i'll give the bud tenders oh you haven't tried that one yet here i've got i literally have you know a quarter of it back at home and i'm not i'm it's gonna go old before i get to it anyways yeah here try some of that but most of the time, I'm like the uh, the lady in Costco giving out the samples with the coupons, <laughs> except it no longer samples. It's just, hey, you buy our product, you'll get another joint, or you'll oh. get an extra couple grams, or sometimes buy one, get one. Hmm. So I'm just like, and I'm there just to educate on the brand, which, you know, I know I'm I'm really good at that. Like, I know how the company works, and it's basically THC design is like, the middle of the road, like highest quality, consistent weed for the best price. You know, like they're, they're not trying to be the best of the best. They're trying to be the best for like the most people. You know, they're trying to just be like that Coca-Cola of weed kind of. Not the Bud Light or Marlboro, but like more like, I, but not even Coca-Cola. Because that's, we all know, Coca-Cola is not good for you really in any shape or form. Wait a second. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. when I get sleepy, I go to McDonald's and I get a, well, today I got a McRib on the way over here. And a Coke. Yeah. And yeah. that keeps me awake. That's a good point. Okay, so the caffeine, you're right. I was thinking more just like the soda or the just, sugar. Just to sip on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. no. I did that as a child. And I developed kidney stones. Whoa. Yeah. That doesn't which, surprise me. Which got me into the opium because they gave me Demerol. Yeah. Oh, shit. Whoa. And I was like, I understand. <laughs> My mother's love in a pill. Like, what <laughs> and else then I was I asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Willie, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for having me today. Of course. Um, we're, where, where can uh, people find you online? We're uh, so Kakuni Music on Instagram, K U K U N I, Kakuni Music. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram as well because I always cross promote. Uh, Kakuni is on pretty much every platform Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, you know, whatever. Ooh, you're on Tidal? Uh huh. Beyonce could get you? I believe so. And YouTube Music too. Your, your album cover, you, you look a little different in person. <laughs> On this album cover, you have a, a little mustache going. You're dressed very nicely, and you're looking at a mirror, mm-hmm. which is looking at the audience. And it's right there. Was oh, that the mirror right That's there? The mirror. Which uh, those of us who hallucinate just stay away from mirrors, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, 
And you kind of you kind of look like a, a world traveler a little bit in this picture. Today you look like the guy who I'm going to bump into at uh, in the bowling Island alley. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Which is fine. Which of these personalities is more like you? Uh, well, I had the mustache. I, I shaved it for Halloween. I've had that thing for 14 years. I haven't shaved my mustache since I was like, since I could grow it basically. So I just shaved the mustache for the first time a couple weeks ago. So we can expect you in a mustache in the future. I think so. I'm still weighing it out, you know. Uh, you look great either way. Thank you. It's it's up to the girlfriend, you know, whatever she likes more. Because I can, I don't look at myself in the mirror enough, anyways. So like, whatever she likes more, that's you know, she'll either mustache or not mustache. Maybe a nasty goatee, you know, like. <laughs> An ironic, that would probably be an ironic goatee. Um, but yeah, I, I think that w- I do have two separate sides. I've got the side of me that isn't showered. I'm wearing, you know, clothes I wore a couple days in a row. And then there's like the pre- time to present myself, you know, fully shaved, got some rings on, got the cologne on, freshly showered with the product in the hair. Um, so I've got two sides of me, and that, that might be my. Uh, Gemini, Gemini Moon, oh, is is that what it is? It could be. I, I feel like I have. Let, let's end on this. Yeah. I try to get all the senses. Your cologne is. Uh, it's this random fig patchouli cologne that I got at a <laughs> farmer's market. I traded a plant that I was selling at the time, Kokodama plant, for the uh, fig patchouli cologne that. It's, I barely use it, so that was four years ago, and it, the bottle is, still looks full for the most part. So, ladies, he's taken for now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you want to smell what uh, Willie smells like, fig patchouli. Fig patchouli. I forget. I don't even know the brand. I, I, they might even not exist Just anymore. Just mix a little fig patchouli with some skunk weed, and Ex- that's probably what you smell like. Honestly, you know, my, my girlfriend, Missy, literally... It, She's like, you always smell like pepper. It's like old weed because it just permeates my clothes. That was when the grow tent was in the living room. So mm. I'm hoping that that is a thing of the past. But I used to always, just, yeah, just smell like weed constantly. Willie, thank you so much for hosting us. Thank you, Tony. And we'll see you out in the, the rock and roll hi-hat. It sounds good. How great was Willie? You know who we'd share our sweet buds with if we had a backyard in which we could grow the legal amount? Our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, look what I found in my sofa cushions. So shout out to our Patreons. Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Granke, Ben Welsh, Jen Adams, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wilde, Dougie Gyro, Christina Up North, Robin Carey, Adam Shorn, and Ben from Down Under. Want to support this fine podcast that features beautiful souls like Willie? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. We're also on the lookout for cool guests. If you know somebody, tell somebody. And then tell that person to write me at busblog at gmail.com. Also shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you got to do is PayPal or Venmo, 25 bucks or more, and we will list you in the Here in LA website or Medium blog forever. Just send your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you got debts no honest man could pay? You can still help. Post your favorite episodes on your Facebook. 
OMG, post two. Tweet something nice about us. In fact, anytime you see me tweet about an episode, help out a brother. It's the holidays. Just retweet it. Just go bleep, retweet, bleep, retweet, quote tweet. This is rad. And for God's sake, tell your friends. Tell them how Here in L.A. is spelled. It's on Apple Podcasts and Google and Spotify and Amazon. Here in L.A. is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man who I gave half of what Willie gave me, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone, Jordan Katz, and Kukini. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and Backyard Bombardiers Everywhere, who share what they've learned. Smoke Smoke weed weed every day. day.